When it comes to the Easter season, we are really one step forward, two steps back sometimes, two steps forward, one step back other times. And today is one of those with this gospel passage, even though it's the third Sunday of Easter, we go back to that first Sunday. That's where this road to Emmaus story is occurring, of course. Uh, Things are really getting interesting in Jerusalem. They're starting to hear rumors that Jesus has been raised from the dead, but they don't know what that means. The, the, The tomb is empty. That's all they understand. And how can Jesus, who was crucified so mercilessly, be alive? And Clopas and his companion are leaving town. I don't know about you when things get interesting. I want to stick around and see what happens. But they're leaving town. Maybe they had given up. For whatever reason, they're going to a village seven miles away to Emmaus. Maybe they were thinking, well, our hopes and desires are gone. This one that we put our hope in is dead. There is no hope for us. He is not the hope of Israel. He's dead. And no matter how empty the tomb is, no matter how many people say the tomb was miraculously emptied, we're not going to believe. We're just going to go on. And you can almost, as you read it, you can almost sense their grief, their pain. Can't you? Jesus comes up to them and their eyes are closed from recognizing him. And he speaks to them and they look downcast. What are you talking about? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know what happened? Well, if anyone knows, it's certainly the one they're talking to, isn't it? What things? See, I don't think Jesus is playing with them. I used to think that. I think Jesus is trying to elicit from them, what is your opinion? What do you understand? So that he can elicit out of them, not more answers, but a deeper faith. Well, this was the one we put our hope in. This is the one we hoped would save all of Israel. But he's gone. And Jesus Well, how foolish, how slow of heart. He calls them. And it's a haunting words that he uses. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Was it not necessary that Christ should be crucified in such a horrible manner, that he should be stripped, beaten, whipped, flogged, crowned with thorns, hung upon a cross, mocked, spit on, jeered, taunted. Was it not necessary that he should enter all of those sufferings? We live in a world that hates suffering. The more I think about it, the more I think even this great fast, not the suffering the great fast causes, but the reason for the great fast The reason we cannot gather is a lack of willingness to suffer. I'm not saying that it's wrong or or right or anything like that. I'm just saying maybe the unwillingness to suffer is underneath so much of what we're doing. We try to avoid suffering, but Christ did not. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we hear it year after year, especially in Luke's gospel, how intense his prayer was that he knew all the suffering he was going to endure. And yes, 
his only prayer was, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He knew what suffering he was going to enter into. And it stressed him to such a degree that he literally sweat drops of blood. There is a real medical condition that under extreme stress, duress, the blood vessels break open and one sweats blood. Christ and his stress, the distress he was experiencing in the Garden of Gethsemane, was not only knowing how he was going to suffer, because that suffering he knew was going to be brought to glory. But I believe that people, that some of the suffering that he endured that night was that people weren't going to understand, that they were going to walk away, maybe like Clopas and his companion. And yet, Jesus interprets to them the scriptures. St. Luke uses an idiom beginning with Moses and all the prophets. That's not just the book of Exodus. That's starting with Genesis. How God promised that he would send a son who would crush the head of the ancient serpent. How God would send his son to suffer. That God would provide, as we hear in Abraham, in the near sacrifice of Isaac. That God would send a perfect lamb who would be our Passover lamb who would save us once for all. That Jesus Christ opened up all of these scriptures and even the Psalms, and we hear St. Peter doing that today in our first reading. He would open up all the scriptures to them and help them to understand. But even then, even then they don't understand fully. And Jesus gives the impression of going on further. Stay with us. It's nearly evening. I get the sense they weren't concerned about his safety. They weren't concerned about, do you have somewhere to stay? It was, we want you to stay with us so that you can explain further, because we don't understand. And notice what Jesus does, or what Luke records that Jesus does anyway. Jesus doesn't continue to teach. Rather, he takes bread, He blesses it, he breaks it, and gives it to them. I've said it a number of times in the last few weeks, but that phrase, to break bread, there's so many words in Greek that could be used for for that action, but there's only one that the authors use, the evangelists use. And it's only used in the context of the multiplication of, of loaves in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's only used in the Last Supper, and it's used here, and then it's used in the Acts of the Apostles, as the Apostles gather to break bread. What are they doing? They're celebrating the Eucharist. And with that, their eyes are opened. And even though they had just walked some seven miles, even though it's almost night, actually, they would have eaten that night. Even though it was dangerous, they rushed back to Jerusalem and they said, there, only after they heard that Jesus Christ has indeed risen, he's appeared to Peter. Yes, we know. He's appeared to us too. 
This last week, we had a Pastor of the Priest session with our students at SMSU. And one of the questions was asked, well, why do we have to go to Mass on Sundays? Knowing the obligations lifted, they were asking, why do we have to even return to Mass? Oh, they, they weren't asking to get out of it. They were asking, what, what is so important with Mass? And it has to do with the very nature of the Eucharist. It's not enough for us to have the Scriptures explained to us. It's not enough for us to have a fellowship with one another. We can do that in our homes. We can do that listening to podcasts, watching live stream Masses, watching other preachers. We can really even do that by watching uh, formed videos all day. But there's something that, that lacks. And that's what hurts the most, perhaps. It lacks the sacrifice. It lacks the Eucharist. It lacks having that full sacramental presence of Jesus Christ. And I keep asking, why? And the words that we hear that haunt me the most in this gospel passage come to mind. Was it not necessary that the church should suffer these things so that they might understand the beauty of the Eucharist? That they might understand what the Eucharist truly is, that we are a people of the Eucharist, not just a people of the Word. It's not enough for us to have the Word, how important that is. But we need Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Jesus Christ giving himself to us. It's only here that we can do this. So perhaps this day, this weekend, let our prayer be the prayer of Clopas and his companion. Stay with us, Lord, for it is nearly evening. Day is done. Were not our hearts burning within us? that spiritual communion that they had even before the breaking of the bread, which allowed them even more fully to see and understand the breaking of the bread.